Lord, thank you for your word. As we open your word together, teach us, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you're new, we believe the Bible is God's word, and when we gather and worship on Sunday, we love to open it up and read it. This morning, we're going to read from Ephesians 5. If you have your Bible, you can follow with me. If not, you can follow on the screens. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Um, On Thursday, I had some stitches taken out of my left leg, Uh, I've had two surgeries in the last two months. It's part of my weight reduction program. (laughs) They keep removing body parts. I've uh, had two skin cancers, one like here and one ear, and and, uh, they would only do one at a time. And I said, they're both on the same leg. Why can't you do both? And they said, well, they're kind of close together. And if if we cut you in two places, the stitches might fight against each other, and that's why we won't do it. Didn't like the answer. But when they said why, when they said why, at least it made more sense to me. I'm kind of a why person. Don't you like to know why we're to do things? So I used to always be puzzled about the military, that the military would make, they would make soldiers make their beds. And I thought, what does that have to do with fighting a war, making up your bed? And like most people, many people think they do it for discipline, but that's not it. The reason that military, I was reading the soldier talk, the reason they make them make their bed is the first thing when a soldier gets up, he accomplishes something. And when he accomplishes something, that encourages him that he can accomplish something else and something else and something else. It gets the momentum going of being able to accomplish things that you really can do something and make a difference. And then if you're a soldier and you have a really lousy day, And when you go to bed at night, you wonder, what did I accomplish today? You can say, I accomplished one thing. I made my bed. And as I thought of that, I thought, what if, what if there was one thing we could accomplish as Christians? What if there was one thing that was simple, like making up your bed? What if there was something we could do that we could take a step on the first day of the week that would get our life going in the right direction, a a step to follow Jesus that would encourage us? We took a step. We can take another step and another step and another step. And you know what? There is such a step. And all of you have already taken that step. It's a step to come and worship Jesus. Way to go. Taking that step has set the direction of your life and encouraged you that you can take another step and another step. See, today we're, we're going to learn about worship, about worship. And, and what we're going to learn today, the point of the message today, is that everyone wins when you worship. Listen, when you take that step on the first day of the week to come and worship, listen, you're accomplishing something that will help you throughout the rest of the week. When you take that step, not only are you blessed, but you bless other people by taking that step. Not only that, but you bless Jesus. So let's say you've led someone to faith in Christ and you invite them, hey, come with me, come and worship with me. And they say to you, why? 
I want you to know what to say. I want you to tell them everyone wins when you worship. It's good for you. It's a step on the first day of the week that will set up the rest of your week to follow Jesus. You win. Listen, you bless other people, and you bless God as well. So let's take that. Everyone wins when you worship, and let's begin to unpack it a little bit, starting with the word worship. I love to define words because if you just hear worship, everybody thinks something different. So the best definition of worship that I've heard is that worship is our response to God's revelation of himself in creation. See, God reveals himself in creation, and when we respond, when we walk outside and see the stars at night and say, God, you're amazing, that's worship. Worship is our response to God's revelation of himself, and God reveals himself in creation. God has revealed himself to us in his word. When we read his word and we're exposed to our sins and we confess our sins, that's worship when we respond. And God has revealed himself most clearly to us in Jesus Christ. So when we meet Jesus and we respond to him, when we thank him, when we obey him, we're worshiping. Because worship is our response to God's revelation of himself in creation, in his word, and in Jesus Christ. What is worship? It's important to understand there's two kinds of worship. There's two kinds of worship. There's personal worship, and then there's corporate worship. There's personal and corporate. People tell me all the time, Smiley, I don't have to go to church to worship. And I always say, I couldn't agree with you more. Matter of fact, as Christians, as Christians, our entire lives as Christians, everything we do is meant to be worship as Christians. A great verse on personal worship is Colossians 3 and verse 17. Look at this verse. Whatever you do in word or deed, that means everything, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, everything in your life is meant to be worshiped. Whatever you do in word or deed, do what? All, all of life is to be worshipped. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. It means you're, you're driving to work and so you're giving thanks. I have a car, I have a job, I have the ability to work. Thank you for my job. And then when you work, you work for the Lord. It means when you play on a team, you play on your soccer team for the Lord. Thank you for health. Thank you for a team. May I play for you all of life. Work family, play for a Christian is meant to be worshipped. So that's personal worship. There's also corporate worship. And I don't like, I don't like terms like have to, but I would say as Christians, we get to gather together in corporate worship. We get to. Matter of fact, let me show you verse 18. There are two commands in verse 18. Do you get them? And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. So the first command is what? You guys there, it's what? Don't get drunk. Now here's the second one. Be filled with the Spirit. When we believe in Jesus, not only are we forgiven of our sins, but we're given the Holy Spirit. We're given the Holy Spirit so that we can be holy, so that we can become disciples, and we can become disciple makers. So what happens? What happens when someone's filled with the Spirit? How do you, how do you see? Notice what it says. But be filled with the Spirit. The very first thing it says is speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Isn't it interesting? The first thing mentioned 
when someone is filled with the Spirit is they gather with others. You see the word one another? It's not talking about the lost. It's not talking about your neighbor. It's talking about the church. That we gather together in worship. So we ask, what is worship? Worship is our response to God's revelation of himself in, in creation, uh, in, in his word, and in Jesus Christ. There's both personal worship and corporate worship. And today we're going to focus mostly on, on corporate worship. But now I want to take our, our point and I want to look at the first part of it where it says everyone wins. Everyone wins. Now, if you, if you visit a lot of churches and you ask people, who is worship for? Who is worship for? There will be churches that say the purpose of worship is to glorify God. It's to exalt God. It's to make much of Him. And then you can go to another church and say, well, who is worship for? And they'll say, worship is for believers. Worship is to build up believers. It's to build up believers. And then you go to another church and say, who is worship for? And they say, oh, it's to reach the lost. It's to reach the lost. <laughs> and so if you say, well, Smiley, what do you say? You know what I would say, right? It's, it's yes, isn't it? Listen, everyone wins when you worship. When you worship, it blesses God. It does. It builds up believers, and it helps draw lost people to Christ. Let me show you. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Do you notice something? That when people are filled with the Spirit, they sing to one another. Did you know that? that you sing to one another. That's why we gather together instead of saying song, staying home because we sing. Do you know why you sing to one another? Because the people around you are discouraged. They're trying to live out the Christian life in a hostile culture. And so it's important you come and give them courage. You sing to them. You sing to encourage. Most people don't think the very, even before the Bible says singing to the Lord, it says we sing to one another. And then together, together as we sing to one another, then we sing and make melody with our hearts to the Lord. And do you know why we sing to the Lord? Because words are not enough to express our thankfulness for what Christ has done, right? And so we sing. I was blind. Now I see. Thank you. I was deaf. Now I hear. Thank you. I was dead, and now I'm alive. Thank you. You see, we sing to bless the Lord. We sing to encourage one another. We sing so that our hearts fall back in love with Jesus again. We sing to get Scripture inside of us. But so many of us, we get here late. We mosey in. Oh, do you know we only get an hour a week to be together? Do you realize that? What if we really believed everyone wins when you worship? What if you came believing there were people who had a difficult week and you wanted to be here to bless them? You wanted to sing to them and encourage them and you wanted to sing to the Lord and you realized you needed it too. Oh, you see, everyone wins when you sing. It blesses Jesus and others and you. 
always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Listen, we give thanks in the offering. We give thanks in prayer. And when we give thanks, everyone wins. When we gather together and thank Jesus, it blesses him. Do you, do you know that? Remember Luke 17? Remember in Luke 17, 10 lepers come to Jesus? 10 lepers come and say, oh, Jesus, Jesus, please, 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 will you heal us? Will you heal us? And Jesus said, listen, go and on, you know, go and show yourself to the priest. And so they start walking to the priest and on the way, they are healed. How many of, how many of them were, were willing to be inconvenienced to come back and say thanks? How many? Just one. Which one are you? Do you know how much it matters to Jesus on Sunday with all the other things you could do that you get up and you come and you're in your seat and you say, Jesus, I am so thankful that when I was blind, you opened my eyes and when I was deaf, you opened my ears and when I was dead, you raised me from life. I would rather be here to thank you than any place in the world. When you do that, it blesses Jesus. You know what? It blesses you. When you give thanks, it reminds you how much you love Jesus. It's good for you to give thanks. And when you give thanks, it blesses the people around you. Um, listen, we, uh, when, when you sing and, and when you give thanks and, and when you pray, it blesses Jesus and others and you. And when we listen to God's word together, when we listen to God's word together and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ, when we've gathered and the Bible is open and God's word is preached and we're here saying, teach me, Lord, that blesses Jesus. And that, that blesses the people around you. And it's good for you to hear the word. So... As we explore, everyone wins when you worship. We've looked at worship and we've looked at everyone wins. And now I, I want to focus in on you. You. Uh, this year, we've been learning that Jesus invites us on a disciple-making adventure. I talk to people every day and they say, listen, our country's broken. Our country's broken. Jesus knows that. And Jesus has a plan to change our country, and it's not through electing the right person, it's through you and me. He invites us to become disciples who make disciples who make disciples so that our county is changed and our country is changed. And so this year at Good News, we've been learning, we've been learning how Jesus made disciples so that we can be disciples and make disciples the way Jesus did. And what we've learned is that Jesus... When Jesus encountered lost people, he gave them an invitation. He said, come and see. And as they believed in him, then he invited them and said, follow me. And then as they became workers, he said, fish for men. And then as they became disciple makers, he said, bear much fruit. And I want you to know that worship is a very important part of each of these invitations. I mean, we all start as lost people, don't we? And for so many of us, our story goes like this, that we were lost and someone invited us and said, come and see. And the first step we took toward Jesus, the first step we took was to come and see him in a worship service, right? Some of you are here today because someone invited you. We're so glad you're here. Listen, what happens when a lost person comes to a worship service, the first thing is they see Jesus in the love of his people. 
When Christians gather, when they love one another, Jesus becomes visible to people. They see his love. Not only that, but they get to see Jesus in the preaching of his word. Because the Bible says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Why would we invite a lost person to come and see so they could see Jesus and the love of his people and they could begin to hear the word of Christ because that's how people come to faith in Christ. My own experience, my own experience, I'm in high school, I'm lost. Someone says, come with me to Young Life. And I said, what's your Young Life? And they said, what? Come and see. And listen, when I came and saw the first thing I saw, I saw Jesus and his people. I saw these people loved each other. They were having a good time and nobody was drunk. I had never seen it before. And I said, I don't know what these people have, but I want it. That's why it's so important we're here. So when lost people come, they say, wow, they have something I want. And then my young life leader began to to share with me the word of Christ. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, he opened up the Bible and he gave me a chance to come and see Jesus. And when I came and saw Jesus, I began to understand the gospel, both the bad news and the good news. If you're here and you're, and you're lost, we're so glad you're here. The gospel is good news that Jesus says, but it also has some bad news. Listen to this. This verse has both the good news and the bad news. For a while we were still helpless. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. As my young life leader began to share the gospel with me, I understood the bad news. I had a problem called sin. We all do. And what I understood was that sin was a crime against God, and that I was, just like this verse says, ungodly. I was not like God. That when I disobeyed my parents and was disrespectful, that was a crime against God, not just against my parents. And when I stole and when I lied, it was a crime against God. And when I abused alcohol and drugs, it was a crime against God. I was ungodly. I was in big trouble. And we all are. Because God is just. God must punish sin. And and the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. What I deserve for my crimes against God was I deserve death, eternal death, separation from God and from all good things. Wow, I understood that I had sinned, that I was ungodly, I was in trouble. And see the word helpless? I understood that as a sinner I was helpless, I couldn't save myself now no matter how hard I tried. And could we be honest? I really wasn't trying that hard to be good either. Are you? And then my young life leader began to share with me the good news. The good news was about Jesus. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ, that Jesus Christ is God who became a man. Fully God, fully man in one person who did for us what we couldn't do. He lived a perfect life for us. And then he died for us. He took our sins. He died for the ungodly. He died for the helpless, paying in full the penalty for our sins, rising on the third day, offering sinners, offering ungodly people, offering helpless people the greatest gift ever, the gift of eternal life, forgiveness for our sins, the opportunity to do life with and for Jesus, and to do eternity with and for Jesus. Overwhelmed with my sin, How do I get this gift? How do I get this gift? (laughs) For God so loved the world, ungodly, 
helpless sinners. That he gave his only begotten son to die for us while we were yet sinners. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Surely it can't be that simple. It can't be just believing. No, it's believing. But Smiley, what does it mean to believe? And we love to say it's as simple as A, B, C, that we admit we're sinners. And, and then we believe in Jesus uh, and, and then we commit our lives to him. And so there was a day in my life, maybe this day will be that day for you, where I admitted, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and, and I'm sorry. And won't you? And then I, I believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins uh, and rose again. And, and then I committed to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, I want you to forgive me, and I want you to give me eternal life, and I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. And he did. And you know how all that started? All that started because someone said, come and see. And I took one step toward Jesus. And when I took that step, I saw Jesus and then I believed. Won't you? When we believe in Jesus, then we become believers. Believers. And when we become believers, worship. Worship is a very important part of being a believer. Because when Jesus first says, come and see, once we believe in him, then he says, follow me. And listen. How can we follow him, what, if we don't know who he is? When I became a Christian and the Holy Spirit moved into me, I wanted to know him because how could I follow him if I didn't know him? And so this year we've been trying to disciple you so that you can be a disciple who makes disciples. And we've been teaching you how to spend time with Jesus. We took a few weeks and talked about spending personal time with him, time in the word and time in prayer. And that's why we provide for you the study is that we want to equip you to spend time with Jesus and his word and learn how to read the word and pray the word and share the word. Because when you know him, you want to follow him. And Tim spoke a few weeks ago about small groups and small groups are a place for you to spend time with Jesus and others and then worship Today, we want you to understand the importance of worship. Worship is that day, the first day of the week, where we take a step to G toward Jesus saying, we want to know you, we want to follow you. And here's what happens. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. If we want to grow in faith, we come to worship, and we hear God's word with other people, and Jesus becomes more and more real to us. And the more real to us when he says, follow me, the more we want to follow him because we know him. Oh, not only that, in uh, Colossians 2, um, I, I love this verse in Colossians 2, it says, in, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Uh, who do you think he's the Bible speaking about in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Who do you think? You guys there? Who? It's Jesus. If Jesus was here on Sunday, and he is, and in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, where would we want to be on Sunday? Where? We'd want to come and be with him, wouldn't we? I mean, how many of you like to be wise? I mean, you know what the alternative is, don't you? Let me ask you a question. Where else, where else you have an opportunity every week to go where wisdom gathers hmm? and avoid where wisdom scatters? Oh, man, it's Sunday. 
It's that day. I can go where wisdom gathers. And so we come. We come. We're in our seats. When the Bible's open, we say, more Jesus, please. Wow. And listen, when we're here as a believer, the other reason we get excited about coming to worship, it's that time during the week where we get to spend time with people who are ahead of us. If we're a a believer, we get to spend time with a worker. We get to spend time with disciple makers. They can help us grow. At the same time, at the same time when we're here as a believer, we can reach back to our lost friends and we can invite them to come with us, right? Come and see. Come and see Jesus. And isn't that how we really grow? When we have people that are helping us and we're helping others? And so to help you invite others in our resource center, we have these really cool little uh, business card invitations. They just say, come and see Jesus. They have the time and the services, everything on them. Why not have them in your pocket or in your purse and invite people, come and see, come and see. So that's the, that's the believer. And, and then when we become a worker, when we become a worker, Jesus says, fish for men. So let me share it with you. As we grow, we should get here earlier and earlier on Sunday. And you say, why? Because when I'm a worker, I come, first of all, because Jesus says, come and see. So I come because I want to see him. And and then I want to come because we don't quit coming and seeing. We add invitations to each other. I want to come and see Jesus, and I want to follow him. But now... Now Jesus says, fish for men. So as a worker, I come earlier because now I want to help others meet Jesus and grow. There are three ways we can fish for men on, uh, when we gather on Sunday morning as a worker. We can serve and we can share and we can give. It was Easter. Uh, it was Easter and I was standing out by the front door and I saw Woody bore, and Woody came in and went out, and he came in and went out, and he came in and went out, and I said, what are you doing? Here's what he said. My family is here to serve at one service. We're looking for a place to serve, and we're here to worship at one service. Yes. We never outgrow our need of worship we're here as a worker because we need worship. And yet, we come as a worshiper or a worker too because we want to help others. Listen, there are so many ways as a worker you can serve on Sunday morning and help good news, fish for people. We do this together. There are formal ways and informal ways, official ways and unofficial. What do I mean? There's opportunities for you to serve. You could be a part of our parking team and get a sweet orange fest. You can help us. Give people a great experience to come and meet Jesus by being a part of our parking team. There are opportunities for you to serve and to lead in kids ministry. You can help by serving and leading. There's opportunities for you to lead and serve officially. But I want you to know all of us have an opportunity to come as workers. We all do on Sunday morning. And that's why we should come early. We should come as a worker and we should look up and look out and look down. We look up to say, thank you, Jesus. We want to be here early to look for new people and people who need to be encouraged and welcomed. And we look down to see if there might be any litter that we need to pick up. You laugh. Every Sunday morning, I park way out and I walk up Wildwood. 
and I pick up all the litter that our neighbors bless us with because I want all of our guests when they come to have a great experience. And I want you to know, I want to deputize you today. It's okay for you to do the same. I want you to be here early and I want you to look up to Jesus and say, I'm here for you. And then I want you to look out for others that need to be welcomed. And then I want you to look down. When you go in the bathroom and there's water on the counter, I deputize you, you can clean it up. If there's a paper towel on the floor, pick it up. If there's a toilet that's stopped up, unstop it. You would do that in your home, wouldn't you? This is your home, that we're inviting people to come and see Jesus. If there's dirt on the floor, ask a staff person, someone with a sweet lanyard, where to find a broom. Can you imagine what would happen if hundreds of workers gathered early because they're workers to look up and thank the Lord, to look out and welcome people and look down and provide people a great opportunity to come. You see, workers come to, to serve so that together we can fish for men. Workers come to share. Often they're early because they've invited someone. They want to sit with them to come and hear the gospel. Um, listen, workers, when, when I'm sharing the gospel with lost people, they're praying. They're praying for all the people here who've not yet come to faith in Christ that they would. When a worker hears me sharing the gospel with lost people, they lean in because they're thinking of their friends that they want <clears throat> to see come to faith in Christ, and they're thinking, wow, maybe I can learn something to make me more effective at sharing the gospel. Because, listen, all of us can share the gospel. You can. You can share the gospel. You can win your friends to faith in Christ. We're here to equip you. It's why we put together what you hear every single week. It's in the Do You Know booklet. It's at the Resource Center. Why not pray for your friend this week and go and just read it to them? You can do it. You can be a worker involved in fishing for people. Listen, that's what workers do. You see, we come and, and we serve and we share and we give. When we bring our tithes and offerings in, what we're doing is we're investing in making disciples here and around the world. We're fishing for people here and around the world. So, worship is important for a lost person. It's important for a believer. It's important for a worker. It's, it's really, really important for a disciple maker. And a disciple maker gets here the earliest of all. And the reason is he's the one who has the most responsibilities. Uh, he's here not only to come and see. He's here not only to follow me. He's here not only to fish for men, but he's here to bear much fruit. Uh, so the greatest thing the disciple maker can do. Now, let me just stop just for a moment and say our prayer is that our small group leaders would become disciple makers and our disciple makers would become small group leaders. Um, and the greatest thing that our disciple maker can do is show the people he's discipling how much he or she needs Jesus. Because Jesus said abiding in him is the key to making disciples and bearing much fruit. We never outgrow our need to come and see Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. <clears throat> I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The, the disciple maker comes to worship because he needs, she needs worship. 
My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. We're flying back from San Diego a couple weeks ago, and you've all flown. You've all heard the deal, right? The flight attendant comes out, says if the cabin depressurizes, an oxygen mask, an oxygen mask will fall down. You know the story, right? And, um, and then she says, listen, put it on yourself first. You know why they say that, don't you? It's for the mothers. Everybody else, like the dads, they would put the oxygen on themselves first, right? But the mom's sitting there thinking what? About her children. But the flight attendant says the greatest thing you can do for your children is to put the oxygen on yourself first. Then, then you can put the oxygen mask on your children. Oh, man, the disciple maker is the one who has the most responsibility. It's so critical the disciple maker comes and puts on his oxygen mask first. And when he's abiding in Christ, then he can reach out to his lost friends and win them. Then he can reach out to his believers and he can build them up. Then he can reach out to those he's discipling as workers and equip them. Oh, worship, worship. Everybody wins when you worship. And so the action step for today is very, very simple. No matter what seat we're sitting in, no matter where we are, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Again, if you're here as a lost person, we're so glad you, you've taken a step toward Jesus. Take another step and another step. Come and see. Come and see his love. Come and see him in his word. And when you see him, believe in him, will you? Oh, man, if you're a believer, every Sunday, every Sunday, you have a chance to get up and set your heart, your life going in the right direction. When you come and see, come and see, and come and see him, because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and when you know him, you'll want to follow him. (laughs) Are you a worker? Man, it's so important that you get up and come and come, and when you come, come to serve, come to share, come to give. Listen, if you're a disciple maker, it's so important you come, so, so important, so that you can put on your oxygen mask and then you can help others. Keep coming. Keep coming. Every one of us, every Sunday, has a chance to do something very simple to set up the rest of our week to follow Jesus. Here's why I want you to do that. How many people in the Bible are known as a man after God's own heart? How many? Come on, speak up. How many? Just one. Uh, He wrote so many of the psalms, so many of the psalms we love, right, and we sing. And man, I think David, I think David, man, he was a disciple maker. I mean, he was the king, right? But one of the most frightening chapters in all the Bible is 2 Samuel 11. It starts like this. Then it happened. Then it happened. In the springtime, when kings go out to battle, David stayed in Jerusalem. I was taught in seminary that sins of omission leads to sins of commission. That if you're not doing what you should be doing today, then tomorrow you'll be doing what you ought not to do. It all started, everything started going badly when David didn't do what he should have done. 
In the springtime, when kings go out to battle, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. In the evening, in the evening, David got out of bed. And David looked, and David saw a woman, and he lusted for her, and he took her and committed adultery, and then murder to cover it up. If everyone wins when you worship, how many people lose when you don't? How many people paid a huge price because David didn't do what David should have done as king? Um, I don't want it to be read of me one day. Then it happened. On Sunday, when Christians gather to worship, Smiley stayed home in bed. You know how the rest of that story goes, right? So I want to be here on Sunday. Do you know why? Because no one needs Jesus more than I do. No one is more capable of wrecking his life than me. If the only person in the Bible known as a man after God's own heart wrecked his life, what would make us think we're not capable? And yet every one of us has a step we can take every week to set the rest of our week up on the right path, a step toward Jesus. Don't wreck your life. Don't wreck your life. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Let's pray.